0: Looking forward to the new surah? I'm scared. (laughs) You just have to listen and I have to explain. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help me to explain properly, give it the due haq, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you to understand properly. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enable all of us to learn from this and implement this beautiful light in our lives. InshaAllah. Surah An-Nur is a Madni Surah, and it was revealed in the mid-Medinan era, after the sixth year of Hijra. Remember that in the sixth year of Hijra, there was a battle, which is known as the Battle of Khandak, the Battle of the Trench. All right? Soon after that, the Prophet ﷺ went on an expedition, which is known as the Expedition of Banu Mustalak, or Muraysir. All right? And on return from this expedition, on return to Medina, a particular incident happened. What is that incident? Inshallah we will learn about it. All right? So that is when the surah was revealed. All right? And this surah is similar to surah al-Baqarah, surah Ma'idah, surah al-Ahzab. In that, all of these surahs, they contain Islamic laws. Alright? Laws that govern our personal lives, our spiritual lives, our social lives. Alright? So Surah An-Nur is a heavy surah in the sense that it contains many laws. Alright? And in particular, in Surah An-Nur, the laws, they relate to social life. Alright? Alright? Now remember that when it comes to social life or laws that govern our social lives, there are two levels of such laws. One level is of those commands, those rulings that pertain to our personal life in the sense that we are responsible to implement those in our lives. We have to observe them in our personal lives, in our home, when we're interacting with other individuals. The state or the Islamic government it cannot interfere with respect to those laws. Or even if the interference is there, there is no prosecution or there is no criminality when a person is going against them. Meaning when a person is breaking those laws, he's not going to be punished. Like for example, in the surah we will learn about the hukum of isti'dan. What isti'dan? That when you go to somebody's house, you knock on the door, you don't just walk in. When a man, when he's going into his parents' house, for example, his sister's house, or father is going into his daughter's house, he shouldn't just go inside without permission. He should make his presence known and then enter. Now, if a man does not observe this law, is he going to be punished in the Islamic court? No. But he has to observe this. But there is another level of such laws, which is that if a person goes against them, then he will be prosecuted, he will be punished. And this is, you can say, Islamic penal law. Now, when it comes to such kind of punishments, hudud in particular, remember that there are two things that we have to understand. When it comes to the hudud, when it comes to punishments, there's two things that we need to understand. Firstly, the content, and secondly, the context. What is the content? The content meaning the actual law, the actual punishment. So, for example, a person commits theft. What's the punishment for that? We learned about it in Surah Al-Ma'idah. The hand has to be cut off. Now this content, this punishment, it's clear in the Quran, it's clear in the Sunnah. It is valid. And we can never disagree with it, we can never say it is wrong, we should never say that this is something that does not make sense, it is unfair. No, it's always valid. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed it. However, we have to understand the context also. It can only be applied in a particular context, in a particular situation. Meaning we cannot take the law in our hand and say that, okay, if somebody has committed zina, they should be punished. We are no ones to carry out that punishment. There has to be a particular context for that legal punishment to be carried out. And what is that context? What is that context? That there must be an Islamic government. There must be a khalifa. This is something that we need to understand. Because in the Qur'an, in the hadith, in the sunnah, what do we learn? That we have to obey Allah, His Messenger, and Ulul Amr. The people in authority. Who is the person in authority? The khalifa. So if the khalifa is there, then the law will be implemented. But if the khalifa is not there, then will the law be implemented? It will not be implemented. But is it still valid? Should it still be studied? Should it still be agreed with and appreciated? Yes. Why? Because it's a part of our deen. It's in the Qur'an. Also remember that all of these laws, when were they revealed? When the Prophet did hijrah to Medina, When the state was established. Before that in Makkah, what was haram was still haram. So for example, zina was haram. Theft was haram. These things were clearly illegal. It wasn't permissible. Which is why when people would come to the Prophet ﷺ and embrace Islam at his hands, he would take a promise from them. He would take a pledge of allegiance from them. And part of that pledge would be that they would swear by Allah that they would not associate any partners with him, they would not commit zina, they would not kill any innocent person, and they would not you know, commit theft, and so on and so forth. So it was still haram. But were the punishments... Carried out? No. Why? Because the context was not there. You understand? So this is something that we need to be clear about when we study the surah. Because there will be certain laws which we can follow given the context that we're in. Alright? Like for example, lowering the gaze, observing proper clothing. And there are other laws that we cannot implement given the context that we're in. And what are those? The hudud the punishments, we cannot carry them out. But it doesn't mean they're irrelevant and that they should not be studied. They should still be studied, we should still appreciate them because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them a part of our deen. And also remember that if there is a crime and we learn about its punishment, what does that teach us about the crime? Hmm? That it's very serious. Correct? So, We have to keep this background in mind, inshallah, when we're going to study the surah. The name of the surah is An-Nur. What is An-Nur? Light. What does light do? That when you're in darkness, it shows you the way. When you're afraid, it brings calmness and peace to you, tranquility to you. It dispels your fears. This is the surah. It's a source of guidance. It's a source of light. This is the solution to many problems that have filled our lives. So let's look at the surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem. Surahatun, أنزلناها وفرضناها. Surahatun, surah, meaning this is a surah. أنزلناها, we have revealed it, وفرضناها, and we have made it obligatory, وَأَنزَلْنَا And we have revealed fiha in it ayatim بَيِّنَات Clear ayat ayat verses that are proofs that are as evidences لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ So that you may remember Look at the opening of the surah the introduction of the surah This is a surah that أَنزَلْنَاها We have revealed it Look at the word Anzala. What does it mean? To send something down. And that means that this surah has come down to us from the one who is above us. From the one who is higher than us, greater than us, knows better than us, is superior to us. And who is he? Allah Azza wa Jal. This surah is the kalam of Allah Rabbul Alameen. This surah contains laws that have been given by who? The one who is the highest, the one who is the greatest, whose knowledge, whose wisdom, whose decisions cannot ever be questioned, cannot ever be doubted, cannot ever be disputed with. Zalnaha, We have revealed it, we have sent it down. We are low and He is high. This has come from Him. وفرضناها. Allah has revealed it and He says we have also made it fard. What is fard? Obligatory. Mandatory. Wajib. Something with regards to which we have no choice. We have to do it. It's binding on us. And fard, it's literally a portion of something. Alright? So this is our portion. This is something that Allah has made mandatory on us. This is our share. Fard. وَأَنزَلْنَا فِيهَا and we have revealed in it ayatim bayinat. We have revealed in the surah ayat verses that are bayinat. What are bayinat? Plural of bayina, clear evidence. Meaning these are verses that clarify Allah's commandments. These are verses that are indisputable. These are verses that are clear in their message and they also clarify the حكم, the أحكام that Allah has given. So in other words, the message is clear, the message has authority, so do not disagree, do not argue, do not disobey. أَنزَلْنَا فِيهَا آيَاتٍ بيهنات. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ so that you may remember, you may take heed, you may understand, and you may observe the treasure that has been revealed in the surah. If you think about it, every single surah of the Quran has it not been revealed by Allah? Of course, it has been revealed by Allah. The entire Quran is من الله عز و جل, right? Tanzil, this revelation is from Allah. And every command that Allah has given, every command that Allah has given, is it not meant to be taken seriously? Yes. In Surah Al-Ahzab, we learned that when Allah has given a command, then the believers do not have a choice with regards to it. But yet, despite that, Allah mentions here, faradnaha. We have made this surah farḍ. We have revealed it. We have made it obligatory. Why is this mentioned? To remind us to take the contents of the surah seriously. This is a very powerful, a very direct introduction. That in the surah there will be many laws, many commands. Do not take them lightly. Do not think that, oh, they're for somebody else. No, they concern us. They concern me and you. This is fard on us, an obligation on us, given to us by Allah. With respect to which we have no choice. Faradnaha, We have made it fard on all Muslims, whether they are from the earlier generations or the later generations. Because sometimes we say that for instance in the Surah Hijab is mentioned, right? But sometimes we say Oh, Hijab is possible in certain situations, right? Or it was possible 1400 years ago. These days it's not relevant, it's not practical. No, Allah says Faradnaha, We have made it fard For who? For the Salaf and for the Khalaf for the earlier generations and the later generations, for the Muslims of the East and the Muslims of the West. For the Muslims of all times, of all places, this is an obligation. And if Allah is reminding us right at the beginning of the surah, to take this surah, the commands of the surah seriously, then what does that mean? These commands, are they important for us? Are they necessary for us? They are, right? Because if they weren't that important, would Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give them to us in the first place? If they weren't applicable, if they weren't relevant, if they weren't beneficial, would Allah impose them on us? Like seriously, think about it. In your body, is there anything that Allah has created that is useless? Is there? Every part of your body, every single organ, every single system, Does it not have a function? Does it not have a role? It does, right? So if Allah created it, Allah made it a part of you, then what does it mean? There is benefit in it. There is a reason why He made it. Which is why we always wonder when we learn about something, why is it there? What does it do? What is its purpose? Right? How does it happen? What, why, who, how, when, where, all of these questions we ask them, we inquire about them. Because we know that there is nothing that is useless. So likewise, when it comes to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remember, if Allah gave them, and if Allah said they are fard, then we have to trust Allah's decision. And we believe that, Ya Allah, if you gave it, yes, it is necessary for me. It is best for me. It is important for me. This is nur for me. Without it, my life would be in darkness. I would be in darkness. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ So that you may take heed. Take heed. Take benefit. Learn and implement and improve your life. First of all, what command is given in the surah? It's a punishment. Which punishment is it? The punishment for zina. أَزَّانِيَةُ وَالْزَّانِي أَزَّانِيَةُ The zani woman. وَالزَّانِي and the zani man. Meaning the man and the woman who have committed zina. Who have committed adultery, fornication. What is zina? Zina is illegal sexual intercourse. Illegal sexual intercourse. And I emphasize on intercourse because it doesn't just mean holding hands or having a friendly relationship. Zina is actual zina, intercourse. Illegal. What does it mean by illegal? That is outside the bond of marriage. Where two people are not married, there is no nikah between them. And sexual intercourse is done, then that is the act of zina. So, Azaniyatu, the woman who has committed zina. What does it mean? The woman who has sexual intercourse with a man whom she's not married to. And she's committing zina, meaning she willingly does it. This is not the case of coercion. This is not the case of rape. Azaniyah is who? The woman who willingly, who chooses to commit zina. And Azani, the man who commits zina, who is he? the man who has sexual intercourse with a woman whom he is neither married to nor does he own because remember in surah al-mu'minun we learned that there's only two legal ways right what are they illa azwajihim aymanuhum it's either through nikah or through milkiyah all right so when a man is having zina with a woman whom he neither has nikah nor is there the bond of milkiyah then what is that zina all right and for the man, this is regardless of whether the woman has consented to it or not. Meaning if she's willing, that's her responsibility. If she's not willing, then the man is still zani. You understand? Meaning if zani includes the rapist. Clear? Zani includes the rapist. So, a zaniyatu was zani. The woman who has committed zina and the man who has committed zina. Before we continue, do you notice something interesting here? Who's mentioned first? The female. Generally what happens? Who's mentioned first? Generally. The man is mentioned first. Why is the woman mentioned first over here? wa وَالْزَّانِي Because you see zina, it cannot happen unless a woman agrees to it. We're not talking about rape. Okay, That's a different story. Inshallah we'll get there. Alright? But zina cannot happen unless a woman agrees. She agrees. She invites or if she doesn't invite, she accepts. It cannot happen without her consent. So azaniyatu wazani. Both of them, Allah says fajlidu. There is a punishment. And what is that punishment? Fajlidu. Then lash. This is from the root letters Jim Lam Dal. Jild. What is jild? Skin. And jelda, jeld is darbul jild. It is to strike the skin. To strike the skin. With something that is made from skin. What is made from skin? A whip that is made from leather. Because leather comes from what? Animal skin. Right? So in other words, this punishment of lashing cannot be done with a stick. It cannot be done with a rod. Alright? It can only be done with what? A whip that is made from skin, leather. And its effect should only be on what? On the skin. You understand? Meaning the act of lashing should not affect the bone, should not break the bones, should not cause the shoulders to dislocate. It should not cause the skin to rip. So fajlīdul Whip Lash كُلَّ وَاحِدٍ Each one, meaning the woman and the man. Minhuma of them two. How many lashes? Mi'ata jalda. One hundred lashes. The punishment is how much? One hundred lashes. Have you ever been slapped? Have you ever been slapped? Maybe on the back. Or kicked or punched or something. Imagine a hundred lashes. This doesn't mean all in one go. The total has to be hundred. It could be in one day. It could be spread out over a period of time, depending on how much a person is able to take, depending on their strength. So, فَجِلِدُوا كُلَّ وَاحِدٍ مِنْهُمَا مِئَةَ جلدة وَلَا تَأْخُذُكُمْ. And it should not seize you. It should not take you. بِهِمَا for them two, meaning for these two who are guilty when the punishment is being carried out on them, it should not seize you. What should not seize you? Ra'fatun. Any compassion. Don't have pity for the people who are being given this legal punishment. Because what happens is that when you see someone being hurt, physically being beaten, then what happens? You feel bad for them. Right? It's difficult to even see. This does not mean that you don't feel any compassion for them. What is prohibited is that this compassion should not seize you. It should not take hold of you. It should not take control of you. So much so that you say, Oh, leave the guilty ones. Don't punish them. Let them go. This compassion should not make you leave the punishment. But is it okay to feel sorry for that? Yes. وَلَا bihi with respect to the religion of Allah. Meaning this is the religion, this is part of the deen of Allah. What is part of the deen of Allah? This had this legal punishment. So don't let compassion prevent you from carrying out something that is part of the deen of Allah. In billahi, If you truly believe in Allah, al And the last day. If you truly have iman, then do not let your compassion Prevent you from carrying out this legal punishment, wal and let him bear witness, let him testify, wal yashhad. Lamb over here is of amr, should this should happen, what should happen, yashhad, he should be present. Shahada is what to witness something. How do you witness something? When you see it happen. So he should be present, watching this happen. Who? عَذَابَهُمَا The punishment of these two people. Who should be present watching it? Ta'ifatun, A group al mu'mineen, from among the believers. A group of the believers should be there to watch this punishment be carried out. What does it mean? Meaning this punishment should be in public. It should be witnessed by some people. Why? So they may take a lesson. Because if they don't take a lesson, then how will the crime be prevented? Then what will happen? This crime will continue. Now this ayah, what does it teach us? What does it state? It gives us the punishment for zina. And the punishment for zina that is given over here is for who? Specifically the man and the woman who are unmarried. You understand? Who are unmarried. Meaning they're singles. They don't have nikah with anybody. So if a woman is like this, she's unmarried, she's single, she commits zina, then this is the punishment, 100 lashes. If a man is single, he's not married, and he commits zina, then what is the punishment? 100 lashes. But what if the man was married? He's married to a woman, and despite being married, he's committing zina with another woman. Or what if a woman is married, and despite being married, she has zina with another man? What's the punishment for that? It is much more severe. And that is a punishment that we learn from the sunnah. And that arrajm. ar-rajm. What arrajm? ar-rajm? Stoning to death. So the punishment over here is for unmarried adulterers. For the one who is married, the punishment is ar And there is a third category, which is the one who rapes another. All right, Meaning the one who forces another to have sexual intercourse with them what is the punishment for rape what is rape rape is irtisab it's from ghasb and ghasb is to take what is somebody else's by force to take what is somebody else's how by force why is rape called irtisab because a woman's honor her choice is being taken away from her this act is being forced on her And what's the punishment for this? Imam Malik, he said, in our view, the man who rapes a woman, whether she is single, meaning a virgin or not, if she's a free woman, right, in addition to the punishment, he also has to pay her. Meaning he also has to pay a fine. He has to give her something monetary. And what is that? That is like a mahr that a woman would be given. So for example, traditionally, if in her family a woman is given $20,000 as mahar. then in addition to the punishment that the rapist will suffer, he also has to pay her $20,000, for example. You understand? And if the woman who was raped was a slave woman, then he has to pay her something as well. And what is that? Imam Malik said, it has to be something that is equal to what has been reduced from her value because of being raped. Why this punishment? In addition to the flogging, also this. Why? Because this man who has raped a woman, what has he done? He has, what has he done? He has violated Allah's haq, right? By disobeying his command. And he has also violated the woman's haq. So you see the punishment for him is double. Now, if the rape happens at gunpoint or with a threat, you understand, with a threat or with some physical attack, like the woman is physically attacked, she's injured, then this is not treated as zina. This is treated as the crime of muharib. Who is muharib? Someone who is waging war. And this is something, the punishment for which we learn in Suratul Ma'ida maidah ayah 33, that the recompense for those who wage war against Allah and His Messenger and do mischief in the land is only that they shall be killed. What's the punishment? That they should be killed. Or they should be crucified. Or their hands and their feet should be cut off from the opposite sides. Or they be exiled from the land. So the judge basically has four choices. Depending on how severe the crime is, the punishment will be decided. So what do we learn in this ayah? What's the message? I mean, even the punishment that I've told you about, the married zani or the rapist What do we learn from this? What is zina? What is zina? Is it a small thing? Is it insignificant before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This is a very serious matter. A very serious matter. You know why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is al-hayyi. He is al-ghayyur. Meaning the one who has haya, the one who has ghira, protective jealousy. He doesn't like for his servants that they lose their modesty. He doesn't tolerate that at all. That they lose their modesty. And without taking responsibility of a relationship, they engage in sexual relations with others. Now, Remember that the punishment for zina will only be implemented, this is a very serious punishment, right? All these three punishments that I've told you are very serious punishments. And they will only be implemented, they will only be carried out when the guilt is established. Guilt is established. Because unfortunately when we hear about the hudud, we hear stories from Pakistan. Alright? Or from other Muslim countries where a woman was raped and then she was flogged, or she was raped and then she was stoned to death. Hmm? She's saying that she's innocent. However, the people who have abused her, they are let go of, right? And the innocent person is being punished in the name of Islam. That is not Islam. What is Islam? What we learn here in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The punishment can only be carried out when the guilt is established And how will the guilt be established? Two ways. First is that the person who's committed the sin, committed the crime, they come and confess. Like for example, at one occasion, a man came to the Prophet ﷺ, Ma'iz. He came and he said, Ya Rasulullah, I've committed the sin, meaning zina. Purify me, cleanse me. And the Prophet ﷺ turned away from him. Why? Because he didn't want to carry out the punishment. He just turned away from him. And this teaches us that if a person has committed a sin like this and Allah has concealed it, then what should we do? What should we do? Do tawbah and let the sin remain concealed. Don't go on exposing it. In our deen, confession is before who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or a judge. Alright? A judge meaning someone who can carry out, can carry out the punishment. Alright? So anyway, that person kept coming to the Prophet ﷺ over and over again, and he said, purify me, purify me. I don't want to go to Allah subhanahu wa taala in a state that I have committed the sin. Because remember that a punishment, what does it do? It cleans a person. It purifies a person. So then eventually the Prophet ﷺ, what did he do? He carried out the punishment. Then the other way through which the guilt is established is how? Witnesses. Four witnesses. And inshallah, we will learn about that in the following ayat. The thing is that zina is haram. It is something that is forbidden. It is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not allow. It's a criminal offense, and at the same time, it's an action that is hated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, وَلَا تَقْرَبُ الزِّنَا إِنَّهُ كَانَ فَاحِشَةً وَسَاءَ سَبِيلًا It's an indecency and it's an evil way. The Prophet ﷺ said that, لَا يَزْنِ الزَّانِ حين يزني وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنِ The person who's committing zina, he does not remain a believer when he's committing zina. Meaning, iman leaves a person when he's committing this action. Iman leaves him. Because the act of zina, what does it mean? There's no haya. There's no shyness. There's no modesty. Right? And modesty and iman... Modesty and faith, they always go hand in hand. If one leaves, then the other also leaves. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: تَلَكَّرُونَ الزَّانِيَةَ وَالزَّانِي فجلدُ كُلَّ وَاحِدٍ مِنْهُمَا مِائَةَ جَلْدَةٍ وَلَا تَأْخُذْكُم بِهِمَا رَأْفَةٌ فِي دِينِ اللَّهِ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُؤْمِنُونَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَلْيَشْهَدَ عَذَابَهُمَا قَائِفَةٌ مِّنَ
0: الْمُؤْمِنِينَ